Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. The word of God last Sunday was this. The Lord wanted all of us to learn to trust Him more. It's not an easy thing, but it's a powerful thing. To learn to trust. Trust is it's gold. <laughs> In fact, it's, it's more precious than gold. Uh, you know, I, I find that Trust is, is, well, now that I've led uh, the ministry and the office and the staff and I've been married for 24 years and I, I've learned a few things along the way and, and there's one thing I, I realized that trust really is, is crucial for anything to grow. Yeah. Marriage, yeah. you need trust. And, and when you lack trust, you will see either that marriage stagnate or become unhappy. Uh, you see a company with the staff and the bosses uh, you won't see it grow the way it should grow because of the lack of trust. Um, I know a company, I met the chairman in, in America this year. His, his name is Bob Chapman. And uh, he wrote a book, Everybody Matters. Uh, but uh, he didn't write it from a Christian perspective. He wrote it uh, from uh, having learned. He has 12,000 staff in Barry Way Miller. It's called this company. And they do a big, huge uh, um, machinery. Uh, like bottling machinery and stuff like that, and they sell it around the world. They have 108 companies under them now, BW, um, and uh, they are, they are uh, valued at $3 billion US dollars. And so I met with the chairman, and, and we were in this private club, and uh, he, were, he was treating us to dinner. Uh, and, and he said one of the most important things that he had to learn to turn around his company was to build trust between you know, um, uh, management, management and staff, staff and management, and uh, some of the things he did, because I read his book, uh, was that, you know, um, uh, before he had this epiphany, before he had this uh, conviction to make a change, because morale was so low yeah. in the company, people didn't trust each other, uh, management didn't trust staff, staff didn't trust management. So what happened was he said, I, I've got to change this. Uh, so what happened was, you know, they used to have stationery locked up in, uh, in, 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 in their cupboards and all kinds of stuff, and then he just, he just took away the locks. And he says, if I, if I can't trust you with stationery, how can I trust you with the other things? Uh, so he began to put it all out there. And the more they learned to trust, the less things were stolen. Wow. And they began to, you know, uh, uh, they, they went around asking the staff also, what, what, what would make you happy in this company? What would make you more productive in this company? And, they, and usually whatever they said would always surrounded trust, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and they would take away locks and they, will, they even took away the time, you know, that the punch card. And when they learn, because people will still be late and, you know, for a few weeks and months, you probably regret doing this. But what they wanted to do was say, I trust you. Yeah. And the more that developed, the less uh, uh, people wanted to come late. Because wow. they did not want to, what's the word? They did not want to betray that trust. That trust. Yeah. Uh, and as they, and they, as they did that, they became a company that even survived uh, the, you know, the, uh, a few times there was, a, uh, uh, in America, there was an economic downturn and stuff like that. In fact, there was one time where because of this trust built in this company, um, an idea came uh, during the, the, the toughest times, economic times in, in America, uh, the last 20 years. What uh, this man and the management did was, he took a pay cut. Uh, the management took a pay cut and uh, they said, take our pay and begin to pay the staff. Because he was getting something like a, a 1.2 million US dollars a year as pay. And, he, he, and then later on, he went home with $80,000. So there was a huge 
pay cut, he only went home with like something like 10 or 15% of his actual pay. Uh, what, the only reason why he did that was, he said other, he did not want to lose any staff. Wow. He, said, he said, my staff have to go home and feed their family yeah. and pay their bills. So, and everybody took uh, 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 example from the leader and it all went down. And, and in fact, uh, they were given opportunity to uh, take leave, like unpaid leave. Uh, so when they take, a, they take two weeks leave, one month's leave, that pay can go to another. So because they, they know that some staff have got a bit more money in the bank than other staff. Yeah. Other staff probably, like if they don't get paid the next day, they don't, they, 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 they don't even have a place to stay. Yeah. Uh, and so some staff actually, because they became family. Wow. Be, the, the trust was built so strongly that uh, uh, one staff would say, I will take one month off and that pay, the unpaid uh, leave that I'm taking, please take that pay and pay another Staff, it's, it was amazing, you know, and, and all because for the next five to ten years they built trust. Wow. But trust is not just a worldly word; it's a it's a God word. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, can you imagine this, those of you who know the gospel story: Jesus Christ yeah. died on the cross yeah. for our sins yeah. before we even accepted Him. Wow! wow. <laughs> I mean, sometimes uh, we we, we want to pay for something, but we want to get it immediately, right? Yeah. Uh, some, some of you would even pay for a house that's not built. And it happens a lot in Malaysia, right? We pay, and then we wait three years for the house to be built. But that takes a lot of trust uh, to give the developer. <laughs> it takes a lot of trust. We don't think about it as trust because we go like, oh, we can still sue you if you don't, you know. But the thing is, it takes a lot of trust to release your hard-earned money uh, and to go through all that banking uh, and legal stuff. Uh, but Jesus Christ gave His life before anyone in this room accepted Him. He died first, then He said, hopefully later you accept me. Can you imagine that? Because it might be that you won't ever accept Him. But He said, I'll give my life first. I'll die for you first. I'll pay the price of your sins first. How great is this love of God that He will go ahead and say, I trust you. Yeah. Sometimes we can't even trust ourselves. Yeah. And yet He trusts us. Yeah. He says, I'll do it for you first. I'll love you first. I will provide for you first. I'll give you good health first. I'll give you a family first. Uh, and, and then He hopes that we will learn of Him and learn to love Him and learn uh, 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 that He's a good, good God. Yeah. We serve a generous God, a yeah. good Father, a loving, loving friend. Yeah. And so, uh, we're talking about trust. God wants us to learn to trust Him more. And so I think we had a really, really good Sunday, last Sunday, uh, and I thought that maybe we'll carry on with camp. For those of you who weren't at camp, that I'll just carry on this message on trust, but in a different twist. Is that okay? Uh, I want to talk to you about Abraham. Abraham is the father of faith. He's known as the father of faith. He was known as the father of faith because he trusted God. God said to him, come out of your land, uh, from your father's house, uh, from all your comforts, and go to a land that I will show you. Uh, so Abraham, before that, he was like everybody else, worshipping uh, all kinds of things, okay? Uh, sometimes they worship stones, tree. Uh, sometimes they just worship uh, other kinds of gods that they call gods because they did not know. Yeah. They did not know the true God. And yeah. this true God came to Abraham and said, I am who I am. Yeah. I am God. I am the creator of the universe. I love you and I love the world and I want to, through you, through you, Abraham, I want to introduce myself to the world. Wow. And so Abraham 
uh, the Bible says, actually picked himself up and his whole family up and actually left without knowing where he was going. So that's why it's called faith, and he was the father of it. He was the father of uh, faith, as the Bible calls him. And so he walks out, he goes with his family, and he's, he's led, as we sang today, by the Lord, by the Holy Spirit. And he goes, and, and, and a people gets born because of him. But it was, even that, it was a radical thing because he had no son. You remember? And God promised him a son. But that promise took so many years. Remember that? And some of you are seated here, and the promise that, that you feel God gave you is also taking a long time. Yeah. But I want to say to you, remember Abraham. Yeah. Because God is a good God. He's a faithful God. He's yeah. not a liar. Yeah. He cannot lie. He's a, he's, he's, all of him is truth. Yeah. And when he speaks, he only speaks out of truth. Yeah. And he said, Abraham, I will give you a son. And Abraham waited. Yeah, we know about Ishmael. We know that you know, when we men try to put in our own strength and our own effort, we get you know, different results that we regret for the rest of our lives. But God is a good God and He still gave His promise in the form of Isaac. All right? uh, and, and that was the promise of God. And when, when did Abraham get Isaac? When he was 100 years old. And his wife, Sarah, was 90. Basically, as far as childbearing was concerned, they were already dead in their bodies. And later on, we'll read a scripture that will remind us about the truth that uh, God can do all things and nothing is impossible with Him. Amen? So Abraham became a father uh, with his wife Sarah at this uh, old, old age only because God promised He will bring it to pass. Even though you have to wait, I tell you what, it's worth waiting because God is faithful. Amen? So I want to talk to you about Abraham and I, and, and I want to merge with this thought of trust and I want to remind you how much Abraham trusted the Lord because you know, when God said, you know, after a while, after Isaac was born, God said, give me Isaac. Yeah. And Abraham actually took his son, you know this story, put him on the altar. Uh, in fact, that, that was the first time we saw the word worship. Yeah. Uh, it's Genesis 22. Yeah. And uh, the, out of the whole Bible, you want to find this is called the law of first mention. So you want to study the Bible, it's called the law of first mention. It means you go back to where it was first mentioned. And it was first mentioned, the word worship was mentioned when Abraham said to his servants, me and the lad, me and Isaac, will go yonder. These are all the old, uh, 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 you know, old-time words. We will go further. You guys stay here, servants. Stay here with all these uh, other stuff that we brought. I will go and I will take my son and we'll go there uh, and we will go there to worship. And so worship really is not just about songs. Worship is giving your best to the Lord. And so we know that the, the, we study worship because it was first mentioned there and we, and we see how it was first mentioned. We see the story around it. It was Abraham offering his only begotten son. It's a reflection of what Jesus was going to do for us. Father gave his only son. Uh, and, and John 3.16, you know that, right? So uh, Abraham went uh, and tied his son up. And his son was not uh, one year old, two years old. He was already, uh, you know, uh, theologians would have it at 12. So he could, the son could actually fight the father off if he wanted to or run away. But the son was also having a very obedient spirit, uh, a, a spirit that trusted his father, even as his father tied him up and put him on the altar and then took the knife and was about to kill and slay his son. The Bible also tells us that Abraham knew that even if he slayed his son that day, God could raise him up. So he, was, he loved God, he feared God, he said, God, you are not my number one, even though my son is so precious to me, I will give you what you want. 
uh, because I, he really believed in God. He really not only believed in God, he trusted. Oh my word, how do you trust with your most favourite thing? Oh, that's, that's, that's when trust really kicks in. And so he's, uh, he's taking the dagger up and here comes a voice from heaven saying, hold on. Stop. Now I know you fear me. Don't do this. Don't do this. This is a test. And Abraham passed that test. And from that time onwards, uh, Abraham, uh, uh, you know, he became a friend of God. He became, he became known as a friend of God. He became so close to God. God, God every time referred back to Abraham. Wow. You know, even, even as the scripture we will read in a while says that uh, the blessing of Abraham has come upon us. And we want to study a little bit of this uh, as we go on. Is that okay? Yeah. So let's put the first scripture up. It's found in slide number 26. Uh, why number 26? Because number 1 to 25 was last Sunday. And uh, slide number 26 uh, and a few more slides uh, further is what we'll do today. It says in Galatians, this is the Bible. Galatians 3, 13 to 14. When I'm standing here, can you see the, board, uh, the yeah. screen behind me? Yeah. If you can't, then I'll move aside. Are you, are you okay? Can you see it? All right. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So one, I want to praise God first of all uh, and thank Him that there's no more curse for those of us who trust and, and, and believe in the Lord because He took away the curse. And this is very important, no? Because there were many curses that even came from the law. If you break the law, you know, there are, there are all kinds of curses, sicknesses, uh, diseases, uh, and just many, many more, uh, all kinds. And you know, curses can actually go down from generation to generation. I've seen the curse of divorce go down from one family to another family. I, I, I've, you know, even in my own family, I could see in my grandparents' uh, generation, like two-thirds of brothers and sisters divorced. And then suddenly it comes down to their children, my father, my uncles, uh, two-thirds divorced. You know? And then suddenly it came to, you know, so in, into our generation, I'm seeing... Uh, uh, cousins having problems with their marriages. And so we as Christians can break it yeah. and we break it in Jesus' name. I've seen curses of illnesses, you know, cancer in that, uh, that generation down to... This, it, 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 it's a form of curse. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, 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 and yet, Jesus has taken that curse away and not only taken it away, He has, he has replaced it with the blessing of Abraham. So it's, it's, I don't want to talk about our past today why it happened to our grandparents, why it happened to our parents. I want to talk about us because the buck can stop here. The curse can stop here and the blessing can begin. Let's take authority. Let's claim the blessing for our marriages, for our lives, for our health. Okay? I'm not here to... Oh, uh, you know, because otherwise the conversation can go on and on. Why, you know, actually my grandfather was a very nice man. He was a very good man. And why did he still get this uh, problem? Uh, uh, no. Every generation have a, has a responsibility to, to, to take God's Word uh, at, at its value and to make it real in your life so that when the curse is cut in your generation, it is no longer going to pass on to your children. Very, very important. This is very, very important. It can be even a curse of poverty. You know, why was my great-grandfather poor? My grandfather was poor. My father was poor. And now I also you know every time, I, even when I earn money, my pocket feels like it has a hole. Because there's a spirit of poverty that's eating up your money. And, but the Bible is very clear uh, that when we uh, give unto the Lord, He will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until there is no room enough to contain it. And then it also says, I will rebuke the devourer. That means there is a devourer that devours even the many uh, uh, cents and oh, cents, uh, 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 pennies and pounds that you're making. 
He said, I, I make so much, but I lose so much. Why? There is a curse. There is a, there's a, there's a devourer. But God says, I will rebuke the devourer. Amen? So I, I pray for all of us in this room that all our curses will be broken, sicknesses will be broken, you know, and all these diseases will be broken in Jesus' name, and poverty will be broken, and all those kinds, divorce will be broken, and we, we don't just want it for our generation, we want it for the generations after us. Amen? Our children, you know, stand in the blessing and not in the curse. So this is what Jesus did for us, not only took the curse away, but replaced it with the blessing of Abraham. I love it. Because we just heard about Abraham, and those of us who have read about Abraham before, you know there's so much richness that can be uh, derived and drawn out from this precious life yeah. called Abraham that God Himself honoured. Yeah. And He's not just honoured during Abraham's time yeah. when he was alive, but He has honoured all of Abraham's descendants. Yeah. And those of us, the Bible says, who have put our trust in Christ have become descendants. Wow. Because we're not descendants of the law, we're descendants of faith. Yeah. And Abraham, again, was the father of faith. So that's how we become children of Abraham because we are people of faith. He was a man of faith. We become children of faith. Amen. And therefore, the blessing of Abraham has come. Now, now what is the blessing of Abraham? That's the next slide. What is the blessing of Abraham? Now, I've done this uh, teaching maybe about, I don't know, 10 years ago. And I put them all in Fs, you know. If I can remember them, I'll, I'll tell you, okay. But definitely, the first one is Abraham was so fit. He was so healthy, man. I'm telling you, I can't even remember there was any disease, any sickness. Uh, I can't even remember whether his eyes grow, uh, grew blur. Uh, he, he was just a healthy, healthy man who, get, who could have a child at 100. His wife uh, was so good looking at 70, 80, 90, that when Abraham travelled to places, uh, he would say, Oh my God, you better say that you're my sister because these guys will want you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters here, I'm not sure it's, it, it, it's, it's something that we would say of grandparents at 70, 80, 90. I'm not sure whether any of you have ever been afraid when you travel with grandma down the street and you are, you're kind of like you know, holding her hand tightly, you're, you're, you're blocking uh, the view, you're asking her, please cover your head. I, uh, grandma, because you're so hot. Grandma, you're so hot that I'm afraid all these young men will attack me and kill me because of you. You're so good looking. Now, hey, this is not said about Sarah at 40 or 50, you know. You understand? Both of them were fit and healthy men. Huh? You know about Mahathir in Malaysia? Until 95. 95, he's the oldest prime minister in the world. Right? I, I, I believe that if he can live like that and be like that and be so sharp, uh, what more the blessing of God on us? How healthy can we be? Sometimes, you know, this is my prayer, you know, when I walk around and, you know, there's you know, viruses everywhere, diseases everywhere, I go like, Lord, it's enough for me to be, to be healthier than the healthiest non-Christian. Because there's a lot of wonderful non-Christians who are so healthy, you know, I see them jogging, I see them eating well, I say that, but I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. So if the healthiest non-Christian can, can be so healthy, Lord, make me healthier because I trust in you. you know? Thank God for the healthy, very, very healthy non-Christians, you know, but it's amazing that even without God, they can be like that. Yeah. How much more with God? Yeah. Woo! You know, the blessing of Abraham. And so, fitness is one of it. Financial blessing. You know how rich Abraham was? Abraham, you know, was the first one to show us how to give a tithe. And he gave it to who? The king of 
Salem or Salem or, you know, uh, 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 he was the priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Well, all these words coming out now. Huh? And, and so he was fit. He was financially uh, 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 strong. Uh, he was the father of many nations. That's another F. So you also can be a father of many, I don't know, creations, many inventions, father of many businesses. Uh, well, uh, some of the women are looking at me. Uh, mother also, I'm sure. Mother, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're all looking at me, father only. No, it's okay. So if you're, you're a daughter of Abraham, uh, then mother also. You, you can be a starter, an initiator. You understand? When, when the blessing of Abraham comes upon you, you can be a founder of things. You can be a starter. You know, I mean, the world without God also can found things, you know? Uh, uh, how much more those who put their trust in the Lord, okay? And, and I can go on. He was a man of faith and faithful and, uh, and so on. But uh, my favourite is found in James 2.23. James 2.23 says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed, and I put in this word, uh, you know, in bracket, because the word believe today will be seen as the word trusted. Abraham trusted God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. That's another F word that I like to introduce to the blessing of Abraham. What is the blessing of Abraham? And when you say to your friend next to you, seated next to you now, you are blessed with the blessing of Abraham, then you're blessed with fitness. You're blessed with financial prosperity. You're blessed you know, with faith. You're blessed as a father. You're also blessed as a friend of God. Why? Because you trusted in the Lord. Amazing, you no, know, to be known as a friend of God. I also like the scripture that says it was accounted to him for righteousness. Uh, today in X Church uh, KL, uh, we have about I think seventy staff, and uh, it, they they also they also help the school. They help different uh, different organizations under the church. Uh, but our own church staff is about thirty, and um, and uh, out of thirty, I think we have five accountants. My wife believes that we must be very, very up-to-date with our accounts. We must be honouring, we must be integrous. Yes, people gave the money, not to me, not to her, to the Lord. But we are stewards, and we must be good stewards. And we must be above board when it comes to finances. Every sen, every ringgit, now I can say sen and ringgit because it's in Malaysia. And even here, uh, you guys practice a very high standard of uh, uh, financial accountability. And then not only do you account here, you account back to Malaysia. And, and uh, don't you forget, uh, X London is actually a charity yeah. that's registered. Yeah. So as a charity, uh, the government expects the highest level of accountability. Yeah. And it's not just a charity, not only are we a registered charity, which is a miracle, yeah. but it's a registered charity that's a church, yeah. doubly yeah. Uh, 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 sure uh, that we must uh, be accountable. So anyway, we have five accountants. And, uh, you know, they, they, they take care of all the different accounts. And um, I, I think about accountants because they just sit next to my office. And, uh, and, and the Bible says, God, has account- God is also an accountant. And you see, in the account books, uh, they, they can't uh, put more in and they can't take less out. You know, it's, it's just got a balance. They are there to actually show what is, not show what could be. You know? <laughs> but I love the fact that God, when He's doing these accounts, uh, He's adding. Really, uh, this is one of the most unfair accounting I've ever seen. No? 
because I don't expect any of my accountants to ever do that to my accounts. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's adding what we don't deserve. It was accounted to Abraham righteousness. Wow. You see, he didn't have to, Abraham didn't have to work for it. None of us in this room have to work for righteousness. We just have to believe wow. and trust. Yeah. And God, as the master accountant, says, okay, look, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. When you reach heaven, you're going to find something in your account that you never worked for. Wow. You understand? Wow. Because our accounts on earth actually don't balance them. Because the sin in our lives have actually caused us to be debtors. We owe a debt we cannot pay. And Jesus paid that debt with His blood. And then when we come to heaven, we're going to hear this master accountant, this chief accountant, who is the accountant of all accountants, say to you, you want to you have a look at your accounts? And you go like, no, please. I think... I think it doesn't balance. I, I think God, no, please don't show me. Oh, Lord, please don't show it to me. I'll show it to you. And He shows you righteousness wow. accounted wow. into your accounts. And you go like, you, you probably just fall on your knees yeah. and you will cry. Yeah. And you say, God, I didn't work. I didn't deserve this. I, God, you know, I should actually not just be zero. I should be negative. Yeah. But you see, where we are negative comes a line from heaven and makes it positive, which is a sign of a cross. Wow. Right? Because all of us, without that coming from heaven, are, are negative. Yeah. We are all in minus. We are all in negative. But here comes a line from heaven cutting across your negative, making it positive. From a negative and a minus to a plus. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. But God has freely given it. Why? Just because we believe, we chose to trust Him. And trust is not one of those where we have all questions answered. I can't come to Pastor David. Pastor David, you're leading this uh, church. I trust you. Anyway, uh, can you please tell me uh, this, 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 this. Can you please show me your uh, Bible degree? When you have to ask a person like that, it's no longer trust. I just say, Dave, I, I really do trust you. And now and then, you know, you tell me what's happening in this church. Now and then, you know, you tell me what I can pray for. Dave, you know, now and then we'll come and visit and we'll catch up. But it's, it's, it's not going to be a daily. Dave, what do you do today? Dave, what do you speak about? Dave, you know, who do you pray for? Dave, you know. That's not trust. Yeah. It'd be like, God, tell me, uh, you know. Yeah. Abraham didn't say, I question you, God, first. You tell me everything, then I move out of this comfort zone. No, never. Yeah. He said, God, I trust you. And a lot of trust has got to do with not getting everything right, yeah. not knowing everything. It's just saying, God, I... I don't know everything. Dave, I don't know everything. Uh, you know, the people around you, I don't know. You know. Who goes to a doctor ever and when you're sitting around a doctor, can you show me your degree first? <laughs> we just trust the doctor. Yeah. And the more he does a good job on us, we trust him more. Yeah. You know, nobody, I've never seen people go through surgery as can you please show me <laughs> which university you came from? I've never heard that. And not only, oh no, I, I, well, I come from the Royal College of Surgeons, you know. Uh, and yeah, can you show me the degree? I never ever, because we just trust. We just trust. Anybody paid all the money for your, for your apartment in Malaysia or wherever you bought your house and say, can you show me the bricks that you were used to bring the, no, can you show me the piping? Can you, can you bring it to my house? I want to test it. No, no. Trust. And we can trust the world, but we cannot sometimes trust God. 
God wants us to trust. But he, he says, I will account to you for righteousness and I will call you my friend. Wow, wow to be a friend of God. So friendship is the highest form of relationship. Yeah. I've discovered that over and over and over again. So I've been married for 24 years and some of you maybe in this room, one or two couples here could be married longer than us, but 24 years is a long time. And I've discovered that at times when I take my wife for granted and if she takes me for granted, uh, that marriage is not in a good place. And the reason why we take each other for granted is because we forgot to be friends. You see, when I came to a place whereby I proposed to my wife and we got married, uh, I believe I married my best friend. Uh, because we could talk and we love to talk, we love to hang out, we love to do things together. But sometimes uh, couples can forget that they're actually friends first and just say, you're my wife. You know, and this is all the four-letter words I'm going to give to you. Cook. <laughs> Iron. Wash. <laughs> Bake. <laughs> and the wife will go, oh, my husband gives me all these four-letter words every day. Yeah, because your wife. You know, that's a four-letter word too. <laughs> And husband, you've got to do this and I expect this of you and we forgot to be friends. Yeah, hmm? yeah. Pastor Dave works under my uh, care and my authority but he's also a friend. I love spending time with him. Already, already tonight, already I'm saying, hey, where can we have dinner? <laughs> I do love spending time with this couple, really. In fact, uh, I, you know, when I was going to Liverpool, I just turned to them and said, hey, you want to go also? <laughs> I thought it would be more fun. No? They said, okay, not you know, last minute. No, stuff. <laughs> You know, we, we also got plans. So, you know, you know. <laughs> Kat is a lawyer, so Pastor Kat says, I've got to work. You know. But I really think it would be so enjoyable to go uh, uh, to places together. and We're friends. If we forget that, then... You know, in fact, another scripture, Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants, I call you friends. Yeah. Father and children, mother and children, you know, at first, every parent must be a parent. Yeah. I, I, I sometimes have to advise parents, not to say that we are very good uh, parents, but I've learned through uh, 30 years of youth ministry um, that, that, that there are roles for certain times. So a parent must be a parent to their children. Uh, sometimes parents want to be a friend to their children. You can't do that. Because uh, young children need mom and dad. They need mom and dad, their dad. They don't need a friend yet. Then when they are older, about teenagers, they need a brother and a sister. That's why they, are, they, they hang with people who are probably three, four, five years older than them. They need taiko, cheche, you know. But then when they become 25, they actually need a friend. And that's when dad becomes a friend because I can't tell you the same things I used to tell you when you were five. At 25, I will be your friend. Come to me whenever you need me. I'll be there for you. You understand? So, 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 so at the end of the day, even with children, friendship with their parents is still the highest. Yeah. It's not just papa, mama, it's, it's my dad is my friend. Wow. My mom is my friend. Wow. And if every other friend uh, forsakes me, I know that this friend wow. will always be there. Yeah. One phone call away. Yeah. I know that they will be there for me. Friend. So Jesus also said to the 12 disciples, I called you servants all this time, yeah. but I don't want to call you servants anymore. I called you friend. Yeah. 
Why? Why? Why did he say that? He says, because a servant does not know what his master is doing. So does that mean, therefore, that a friend knows what he's doing? I think that's what it's about, no? It's about knowing what each other is doing. That's what true friendship is. You know why sometimes people can go like, I have a lot of fans, like Instagram fans, uh, Facebook fans, but no real friends? So I spoke to a psychiatrist, the only psychiatrist in the whole of Sabah and Sarawak. Okay? Uh, And because I was going around doing a series on suicide prevention. It's very close to my heart because my sister died from suicide uh, many, many years ago. So when I went into ministry, uh, this is a very, very close thing to my heart. I want to help young people who have suicidal thoughts and all that kind of stuff because they're precious, precious people and God loves them too. But sometimes they just need help. And so I went and I, I interviewed, you know, a member of parliament in Kuching, uh, the police. I, I also interviewed this top psychiatrist. Uh, and he said to me, there's such a thing where we can have all these acquaintance, many, many names, but no friends, and still end up killing yourself. And you can have none of that, but only two good friends, and you end up strong. It's a quality quantity. And then you got the Anthony Bourdain. How many people are, tra- are following him, but still end up killing himself? Because at the end of the day, it's about friendship. How close are you really? And do people really know you? Do people really know what you're doing? So slaves and servants don't know what their master is doing, but friends do. Yeah. And so we want to build a church that's full of friends. Yeah. So I know, Toby, what, you, what are you doing? And he tells me, and I, and I pray for him. Okay, and I'm now praying that Toby will be able to move into central London and have a job here. So we, 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 but, 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 but you know, and, and, and not, just, not just I'm praying, we are praying, right? Yeah. Come on, he belongs here in central London. Hallelujah, amen. And I believe that God can use it so much more. Okay, amen. But what, what, what it is is that we know each other. We know what we're doing. Yeah. Can you imagine being in a church where nobody knows? They know your name. They know they be, you've been hanging around for 10, 15 years, but nobody really knows what's going on in your life. Wow. Then, then you might as well be a servant. Because wow. a servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but a friend knows. Yeah. I know. I know. I know that he's going through that. I know that he's going through that challenge. I know that she's going through that pain. I know. I know. And as a friend, I'm praying. And as a friend, I'm reaching out. As a friend, I sometimes just call, hey, coffee. And as, as we're having coffee or tea or hot chocolate, which is my favorite, with marshmallows, now you know where the blessing has come. Uh, and, and you get to know more. Yeah. Get to know more what? Of what you are doing, what's going on in your heart, yeah. mind. The highest form of, friend, uh, of, of relationship yeah. is friendship. And God said to Abraham, you are my friend. You are my friend. You are my friends and you will know what I'm doing. So uh, five quick things about friendship. Five C's. Connection. You know how friendships are made? I come into a big uh, group like this, right? And I say hello to different ones. And, and it's not like you become friends immediately with everyone on the first day. But you will meet somebody who suddenly there is a connection. Yeah. It's either because you play golf, <laughs> and then you're talking about golf, or you, or, or you like uh, Liverpool, uh, or, or, or you, amen, hallelujah, praise God. The, the hand keeps going up, no, and I haven't even asked for a salvation call yet. The hand keeps going up. Amen, praise the Lord. Uh, uh, or you have grandchildren, and you, you kind of like, oh, wow. And you, or you have children at this certain age going to school. There's something in common. And, and really, how do, can you remember the last time you became friends with somebody? There was a connection in a small group, in a small dinner, in a small party, in a place like this. And there must, so, so can you imagine when God calls us His friend, 
He's saying, I have a connection with you. I have a connection with you. Heaven connects with earth. And I connect with you. I actually like hanging out with you, which is communion. Communion, another word for it is fellowship. Don't you like to hang out with your friend? Of course, because there's something in common. There's already a connection, so you want to talk more. You want to hang out more. Can you imagine when God says, you're my friend, I want to hang out more with you. Hey, you know, like my grandmother, she didn't fully understand about spiritual uh, things. She was a Catholic, but she said, yeah, God, uh, you know, home uh, tahan. That's the word in, in, in Cantonese, which is uh, so busy. You know how many people praying to him? How many things happening? So she saw God like a human being, like, you, you know, said, like, but he's not. He's, he's everywhere. Because he's, you know, omnipresent. He's God. He can be anywhere and everywhere at the same time. And this is the God we have. And, and he's saying, uh, well, I'm taking it from my grandmother because I feel like she's also right. He's probably very, very busy. And yet he says, I want to fellowship with you. God will never be too busy for his friend. How many of you have received a call from a friend and you're actually very busy? And you go like, even if you say, I'm very busy, you still go. Why? Why? Come on, why? So even if God was very, very busy, do you know He will still be there for you? Yeah. He said, you see, it's not you calling Him your friend. No. He's calling you His friend. Wow. He chose you. We didn't choose Him. Communication, He just wants to talk to you. He wants you to talk to Him. Don't, don't friends do that? Keep talking until like, huh? Wow, there's been four hours. Five hours. You know? Again, there's another saying in Cantonese, you know? ball porridge. You know? And, 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 and uh, Concern, friends, always have a concern. Friends can see your face and you go like, what's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> and you go, come on. I've known you already, you know, for all these three months. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sometimes it's not how long or how short, it's how much you have spent time and how much you have talked and how much you have en- let people enter your life. Yeah. Come into your heart. The, the quality, not the quantity. And you say, come on. Can't bluff me, you know. And, and, and more so if you've known the person for three years and 13 years. Come on, you know. I, I, I care. I'm concerned. God's saying to you, every little detail. I, I don't bother your friend like you're saying, you know. Is this, my, my, this, is this my toilet not working this morning? Can't flush. Flush is supposed to go down. This one goes up. <laughs> Have you ever been there? I've been on mission trips. <laughs> Albania. My wife and I went to Albania. Oh, Every time we went and did our thing, we will flush and everything will come up. See, my wife is going, ah! yeah, yeah. It was like a, it was like an alien, a demon living in there. So we no longer used that toilet. It was in the old building in Albania. We were there for about a week or two, and so we walked. Every time we had stomach ache or whatever it is, it had to go. We walked for about I don't know, 20 minutes to get to the cleanest toilet in town which was owned by Americans who brought their toilet seats uh, from America to Albania and they, you know, they fixed the whole uh, building up to look like America. They had the uh, washing machine and dryer. Americans are one thing like that. You know, wherever they go, they can bring America with them. You know? and, and it's amazing because they actually have a ministry in America that has got uh, maybe a thousand washing machines that people donated. A thousand. So wherever Americans go, they will just ship them with uh, big planes. And so they set up their whole home looking like America. And so I thank God for that. Like, I thank God for that. Uh, because I needed it. But, you know, y- you could be just that. You go like, why should I bother Pastor Dave? 
You know, why should I just bother my friend? Uh, you don't look so happy. My toilet not working. You know, and sometimes you think that your friend, God, is not interested in the small stuff. But every friend, if you're a true friend, you're interested in every detail about your friend, especially about things that get him or her down because you always want to see your friend happy and you want to do something, if you can, in your own power to make that happen. And how many of you know that God has all the power to make everything in our lives happen? Now, of course, there are days where we'll be unhappy. There are days where we'll be challenged. There are days where we'll be convicted. There are days where, you know, the Bible says there's time to cry, there's time to laugh. So there's a time for everything. But yet, this friend of ours, he doesn't change. I like the last word, confidence. Um, you know, in Malaysia, uh, I put together some uh, important conferences uh, and uh, they, um, they involve leaders of different churches. Uh, God has given me a heart to unite the churches in Malaysia, especially the young church, uh, the emerging church and, and all that. So, uh, I remember one time in my early years when nobody knew me, uh, I had to put all kinds of agenda out I have to put, you know, the people, why? Why you want this conference? Why? Why you want to meet? Why? Why you want this dinner? You know? Why? 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 You know, because they're all busy. And even if they're not busy also, I don't know why, but we all always start with suspicion first. You know? yeah. Life is like that. Human beings are like that. Pastors can be like that. Suspicion. Steal my sheep. Tell me what to do. Stuff like that. You know? Uh, make me more busy. Uh, I'm already so, so busy with so many people. You know? So, but you know, when I begin to build friendships with the pastors, two friends, three friends, now I have such good friends in, in these pastors from different churches, uh, X Church and a Baptist Church in, uh, in Penang, together are planning to plant a church in Hamburg. It's never happened before. So Pastor Palin from Reservoir Garden uh, uh, Baptist Church and X Church, because of our friendship, we are... We, we, we're not even thinking about why, who, what. And Pastor Palan said, uh, actually, uh, what are we going to call it? Uh? <laughs> ABC, maybe, uh, ex-Baptist church or whatever. Uh, but, <laughs> but, 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 that I, you, know, you know when your friends, uh, you just go without all the details, right? No? Yeah. And I go like, uh, I, I, haven't, I haven't thought about it. And you know what Palan said, Pastor Palan? He said, Kenneth, just call it X. Uh. I like the name. No fight. Nothing. And he's put in money. He's travelled to Hamburg. I've travelled to Hamburg with my wife. And we... It's amazing how, what friendship can do. You know? yeah. And so my friends tell me now, Kenneth, anytime you pick up the phone and tell us there is a meeting, we will never ask you for the agenda. We will just be there. Because friends, be there without agenda. One. Yeah. Have you ever got a call from your friends? Hey, come in. Uh, let's, just, let's just hang in my house. Uh, can you please give me a whole... Uh, I would like to see an email first. And could you please make it official? You know, it's, it's dear reverend. You know, no need, no need. Sometimes even one text. Hey, want to hang? <laughs> sure. In fact, you're always looking for opportunity. And God doesn't need an agenda. God doesn't need you to be perfect. God doesn't need you to have it all together. Just give me a call, I'll be there. Almost want to sing that song. I'll be there. <laughs> Just call my name. 
how to be a friend of God. Let's close. Learn to trust Him more every day. How, how did it all start again, friends? How, how did Abraham actually become a friend of God? He believed. Is it that easy, Pastor? Yeah. Trust Him more every single day. And we have the blessing of Abraham upon us. That one blessing being the friend of God. What does that mean? Live by faith and not by sight. Doesn't the Bible tell us that? Faith. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? James 2, 21-22 when he offered Isaac his son on the altar. Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? So we know that faith without works is dead, right? We know that, right? So when I say, please, everyone here in this room, live by faith. You say, how do I do it? How, how do I get the blessing of Abraham? How do I become a friend of God? Well, I say to you, believe Him, trust Him. What does that mean, Pastor? I say it's to live by faith, not just me saying it. The Bible says it. What, what does it mean, Pastor? It means that whatever God tells you, believe. And not just believe, work it out. Because, again, faith without works is dead. Abraham was not justified just by his faith. He was justified by his works. He offered his son. You, you are all still with me? So this is very important because I tell you what I have learned. God does give everyone, if not daily, at least weekly, if not weekly, at least monthly, a chance to live by faith. He is always whispering to our ear. So can I be just uh, a little bit, just for a moment, uh, be a little bit solemn and challenging, just, just for a moment? How many of you have actually lived by faith this last one week? Don't put up your hands. I just want to ask a question. How many of you have lived by faith this last one week? Now, because of my dealings with many Christians, I realize that you can actually live one whole week without faith. You think about it for, for a while. Any one of you have been uncomfortable this week? Don't put up your hands. Anyone had to go beyond what you could afford? Don't put up your hands. Anyone had to wake up earlier to seek God? And, you know, I, I don't know. You go through your mind. Anyone had to reach out to somebody when you had no time, but you did it anyway because it was faith? And I realized in this very modern age and this very comfortable world we live in, many churches I go to, I find it difficult to find Christians who live by faith. Not every day, I'm not talking about every day, every week also sometimes no. Sometimes even in a month, some people cannot even think of the last time they live by faith. They can't, they can't, they, they can't remember, oh, like, maybe, maybe some of you this morning, you know, the buses were down, you know, the, the trains <laughs> were delayed, and, you know, you went through, like, so much just to come here, and you had a thousand thoughts in your mind, I don't have to come to church today, like, never mind, like, I know Pastor Dave won't miss me today, and yet, you went through all that to come, that is an act of faith, yeah. it works, yeah. but you see, some of us don't have that story, and I, and I find it dangerous to continue living as a Christian, but not by faith. I, I, I just, so I, I told you, just for a moment, solemn challenge. But I tell you this, you know, God is, is true to His word and He's true to His ways. If He said the just shall live by faith and not by sight, He will give you opportunities. And sometimes that opportunity could be a stalled bus. Sometimes the opportunity could be a train that does not work on the line that you depend on. Sometimes that opportunity can also be in the form of a headache, but you could still come to church. 
Because he's saying, you want to live by faith? I'll give you opportunities every day. It could be in the form of a beggar. I'm not saying please go and give to every beggar you walk on the streets. So don't, don't, don't. But you know, it's one thing about being led by the Holy Spirit. I don't know. You, you guys got to think about it. It could be your exam is on Monday. Will you still come on Sunday to, to worship Him? All these are opportunities. God gives us, actually does give us opportunities every day, every week, every month to actually live by faith. And listen again, this is how the cycle goes. If we take the opportunity, we will start living by faith and not by sight. That means we are trusting Him, not ourselves. And that means the friendship with God is kicking in, you see. And some of us don't have this relationship because we don't have that trust. We don't need that trust because we don't need to live by faith. And we don't need to live by faith because we didn't take up the opportunity when he came. But when Pastor Dave and Pastor Kat comes up here and she says, hey, you know, Botswana has a need. All right? Uh, it's, it's, it's probably 500 pounds. Okay? Let's just say, uh, I haven't been talking about money the whole time because I don't want to just say it's about money. No, it's about time. It's about all this. But money also is. So and then all of you, you say, oh, again. No, don't say again. Say another opportunity to live by faith and not by sight. And when you put your, your, po- your, your, your hand into your pocket, you go like, actually, this was meant for like, you know, lobster and burger. <laughs> right? See, you see, friends, there's always going to be a challenge. Yeah. If there's no challenges, there's no faith. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's always going to be a challenge. So it's, going to, it's always going to be like, oh. Okay, then you, you pick it up and you, you know what you're doing? You're, 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 you're taking God's opportunity to live by faith. And you see the cycle go like, and God, I trust in you. And God, when I trust in you, I learn what the blessing of Abraham really is. And I, I, I experience this another level of friendship with you. And so many Christians don't even get to this place because they don't start to take up the opportunity. So God, actually, I, I wrote down here, maybe we can just very quickly as I close, um, Okay, this one, this, this next uh, slide just says, faith is uncomfortable, so have you been <laughs> uncomfortable this week? Faith is inconvenient, have you been inconvenienced this week? Faith is costly, have you paid the price this week? Faith is contrary, uh, and, and you know, later on you will, you will read from Abraham's story, uh, contrary to hope, he hoped. So there's always something contrary to faith. Uh, there's always something opposing faith. Uh, uh, you know, has anything opposed your faith and yet you still have to rise. Faith is inconsiderate, meaning that, you know, uh, uh, you read later that Abraham did not consider his body already dead when he, when he was able to produce Isaac. So faith doesn't consider stuff that the world considers is inconsiderate in that way. Okay, never, never mind. We don't have time, so we move on. God gives us, the next slide says, God gives us the opportunities to trust Him. Do you believe it? Amen. If you really believe that this is important, if you really believe that being a friend of God is important, it's so powerful, not just important, but powerful. You say, Pastor, how do we get there? I'm telling you right now, is to live by faith and not by sight. It's to trust Him more every single day as Abraham trusted God and it was accounted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so when Pastor Dave or any leader comes up here and says, guys, there is this need. Don't look at it as a need. Look at it as an opportunity. Say, wow, God again? Wow, God again? Wow, great. Wow, to go again, to give again, to pray again, to take my faith to another level again. Wow! See, that's, why, that's when a church comes alive. Otherwise, you'll be seen from the other side of the coin and you go like, ah, yeah, this church always talking about money. Ah, yeah, this church always talking about sacrifice. Ah, yeah, this church... No. 
don't look at it that way. Because if you don't have that, then in a whole month, you might not live by faith. In a whole year, you might not live by faith because this is, you're not looking at it as opportunity. So, I said it in this slide, faith will find you. <laughs> faith will find you. It's like you, you're, 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 you know, you're looking ahead, you're looking at the front, everybody look at the front. And, and, then, and then faith just comes like that, no? Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not looking, but faith will look for you. Like, are you going for missions? Are you going to give to the poor? Hey, you know. And, and some of you go like, Ayah! Don't disturb! But faith will find you. You don't have to find faith, no? It comes in the ways of opportunity because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So when you hear the Word of God, it goes like, hey, how about you? Hey, how about you? You go, oh, nobody ever spoke to me. No, no, no. Almost every day, every week, every Sunday. Hey, hey. And, and me too, Kenneth. You know, ex Osaka. Ah, yeah, another church. No, another opportunity to live by faith and not by sight. Another opportunity to trust God. Do I speak Japanese? Konnichiwa. No, that's all. I think, no, there's a few more. There's, there's something like, what, what else is there, Sandra? You know Japanese more than me? <coughs> okay. Ah? Okay. So you can, you can see how I, how I struggle with Japanese. So, but the Lord says, you are going to start a church in Osaka. Uh, sashimi. <laughs> sashimi. Trust. Yeah. Do you know it will take a lot of trust uh, to start in Japan? Yeah. Until today, although it's one of the most modern first world countries, it's still less than 1% Christian. I, I want people there to know how much God loves them, how much Jesus died for them, how much the blessing of Abraham can come upon them as well. You know, we're about sharing, right? Yeah. Sharing the good news. Yeah. Why keep it to ourselves? You guys, when you find something good, won't you tell your friends? I found a good restaurant. I'm telling you right now, I found a good God. Wow. Great, awesome, wonderful, beautiful, generous, loving, kind, forgiving. I want to introduce this God to you, right? I want to introduce God to Japan. You see, other people are doing it too, yeah. But I tell you what, even if a, a thousand missionaries went there, it's still not enough. Yeah. Everybody see with me? Yeah. Why does God keep putting me in the position? Tapping me on my shoulder. Kenneth, yeah. <laughs> Japan, uh Okay, if you say so, God. Then I find myself walking on water. Right? And He keeps me walking. Wow. And then the relationship is experienced by me. Wow. Right? Personally, what a friend I have in Jesus, right? Yeah. Why, don't you, why, why aren't you able to say that? Because you're not walking the way that causes you to say, I trust you and you came through for me. Yeah. Amen? Everybody okay? Yeah. So I don't know who's going to touch your shoulder this morning. But I want to say to you, faith will find you. Amen. Don't brush it off. Yeah. Don't say, next year, Lord. Say, okay, Lord. I can't, but you can. Yeah. Only by your grace. I need your help. God, help me. I'm weak, but you are strong. I'm poor, but you are rich. God, help me. I don't want to miss the opportunity of trusting you and knowing you as my friend. I don't want to miss the opportunity. Faith will find you. As you hear the word of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing 
by the Word of God. Take every opportunity that comes our way to exercise our faith. And finally, let's read the Word of God as we close. So much uh, on this one slide. <laughs> so sorry, yeah. Uh, because I only put it uh, there last night. Romans 4, 16 and 21. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all who all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as, is, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. That's all of us, okay? And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform. I want all of you also in this room to come to a place where you are fully convinced. Trusting in the Lord. Fully convinced. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. We want to pray. Are you fully convinced about anything at all? It's hard in this life because we have been failed so many times. We're not fully convinced that the train will come on time. We're not fully convinced that there will be no delays. We're not convinced, we're not fully convinced that today there will be no road diversions and we, we, we won't be late. We're not fully convinced about who's going to win the elections. Not fully convinced about anything. And yet, there is a word in the Bible that says, Abraham was fully convinced in this God that has never failed him. Challenge him, yes. Called him out from comfort to discomfort, yes. Tapped him on the shoulder and said, Faith is giving you opportunity to step out into the unknown and to put your trust in me. And every time Abraham trusted God, he saw how wonderful a friend he was. There's a song that says, What a friend we have in Jesus. And usually, it's only sung at funerals. I don't know why it should only be sung at funerals. It's a beautiful song. What a friend we have in Jesus. It can be sung every day, actually. Let's not wait until it's a funeral to sing. What a beautiful song. What a friend we have in Jesus. Because it's a truth. It's a fact. It's real. It's, it's here, available for all of us in this room. How do we get there? How do we become a friend of God? We have to learn to trust Him more. We have to learn to live by faith. How? Faith will find you. Don't worry about it. It will tap you on the shoulder. You just have to turn around and say, God, I hear you. I hear you. And I don't want to brush it off. Not today. Not today. I want to say, God, I'm, I'm afraid. Some of us are afraid. Some of us are scared about what the future looks like. Some of us just feel like we're not ready, we're not equipped. But faith has found you. And when faith taps you on the shoulder, it, it was sent by God. So God knows that you are actually capable of this. 
even though you don't think you are. And so all you need to do is, Lord, I believe. I don't know how to do it. I don't know when to do it. I don't know what to do. But I believe. I trust you. I, I ask that you lead me. I ask that you teach me. I ask that you help me. But I must, I must do the first thing. And the first thing is to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I will walk by faith. And I will trust you more. And in that process, I know that I will know you more. I will know you more. And that's what friends do. That's what friends are, 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 are privy to. We know. We know about each other as no one else does. We know. And today, the Lord is saying, when you trust me more, you will know me more. Some people are saying, no, I want to know him more before I trust him. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. That's not faith anymore. Faith says, I've heard the voice of God today. I felt His touch on my life today. And I want to say, Lord, I believe it's a privilege to be your friend. But the only way I can be your friend is to believe you, trust you, put my faith in you. I don't know what you are going through today and what things are going on in your heart, your mind. But I want to say this to you. I love you only because God has put that love in my heart for everyone I speak to. I don't want anyone to miss out on what He has in store for you and great things this God has in store for you. He loves you beyond your wildest imagination. And He's a good God. He's a generous God. He's a forgiving God. For those of you here in this room who have not yet known Him as your personal Lord and Saviour, you have not become His friend, you have not walked with Him, you have not talked to Him, you don't really know, you know only His name. And most of the time when you hear His name, it's used as a curse word. In movies, they use the word Jesus Christ so many times as a cuss word. But His name is not to be used as a cuss word or a curse word. His name is above every other name, the most beautiful name that you can ever mention. Maybe all you have heard is that, but you have heard it differently today. From this very pulpit, from the book of truth, from the Bible, you have heard that Jesus Christ died for your sin and my sin. He trusts you. He trusts you to believe in Him one day and to come to a place where you are living not by your own knowledge or strength, but by faith. You believe, you trust in the Lord with all your heart. And I tell you what, you will never regret it because what is promised to all of us is that we will become friends of God. And I tell you what, God never forsakes His friends. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.